Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I'm going to jump right in and 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 finish what the Lord's was, was the assignment was on 624. Now, I'm not going to go deeply into the uh, reason around that number, but Judges chapter 6 and verse 24, it says, <clears throat> Gideon was a warrior. That's my words. Gideon was a warrior and he built an altar there. He built an altar where the Lord was speaking to him in the midst of strife and chaos in the nation of Israel. Witchcraft was abounding through a Midianite spirit, if you will. Uh, the people once again had given them over to had given themselves over to idolatry and to wickedness, and there was demonic oppression on the God's people. And here Gideon is because God will always look for someone who will raise their voice and speak to the chaos. <clears throat> And call out the witchcraft. Come on, somebody. And so this is Gideon, but Gideon was very afraid. Uh, he was he was very perplexed. He was very uh, uncertain uh, because of all that was going on. I don't have time to paint the picture. I said a little bit more about it a couple of weeks ago in that context. But there was just it was such oppression. It was more than just a bad day, y'all. It was a demonic oppression that was on the people, God's people, God's chosen people. And here Gideon is being called by the Lord to bring them up out of that chaos, bring them up out of confusion. How many of you know somebody that needs to be brought out of confusion and chaos? Come on. How many, come on, how many of you need to be brought up out of uh, confusion and chaos? Listen, and so here is Gideon. Everybody say he's a warrior. How many warriors came to Fresh Start today? Come on. I know you're here. Which is another reason why I'm preaching this, because th there, is, there is something that the Lord uh, revealed to Gideon that we need a great, great revelation of, and it is this. Gideon built an altar in the middle of chaos and confusion. He built an altar to Jehovah God. He built an altar to Yahweh. He built an altar to the one true only God. Are you with me? And God revealed himself. If you will build an altar, God will reveal himself. If you will make a place to meet with God, he will reveal himself. If you struggle with this and you struggle with that, whatever that may be, you fill in the blank. If you will build an altar, if you will make a place to meet with God, I promise you, he will reveal himself to you. And in this case, he revealed himself to Gideon the warrior in the midst of a national crisis of chaos and confusion caused by the witchcraft of a Midianite spirit and all the idolatry. He revealed himself. Look at this as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. I'll let you be seated in a minute. The warrior Gideon had a revelation of Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. He had a revelation of the power and the force, the spiritual supernatural force that is behind the God of peace. Are you with me? 
Peace is not just something that God is or does. It is an attribute of his essence, just like holiness, just like love. Come on, somebody. All of the things that God is, he is peace. So if he reveals himself in the midst of witchcraft, in the midst of chaos, as the God of peace, then we need to look at 624 of Judges and get the revelation that he gave to Gideon that the answer to all that the devil and the demonic and the, and the evil supernatural that has been coming against the nation and the nations of the earth is a revelation of the dynamic power of Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. This releases from the essence of his realm a completion, a wholeness, a perfection, a lacking nothing, an absence of strife and chaos. It releases soundness. It releases harmony. I'm telling you, if there is one thing that the devil doesn't want us to have a revelation of it is that he is Jehovah Shalom he is complete there is no chaos there is no confusion there is nothing missing there is nothing broken there is nothing lacking there is harmony that's why I said if you're in this room today and something is incomplete or something is in your life that God has not planted there and it's causing chaos and confusion Call on Jehovah Shalom and bring down the force of peace in your life today. Hey! And he manifested in the New Testament as Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to let you be seated in a minute. Some of you have already made that choice, but thank you, the rest of you. The Prince of Peace. Emmanuel, God with us. The Prince of Peace. Absence of strife and chaos. Jesus said, my peace, I'm going to leave with you. You better get that today. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be agitated. Don't let your heart be fearful. Don't let your heart be chaotic. I'm speaking to somebody today. I, this is speaking, as I said a moment ago, to more than just a bad day. But this is speaking to a demonic onslaught that tries to overtake you or tries to overtake territories or tries to overtake nations. Come on. I told you a couple of weeks ago as I began this message that in Luke chapter 8, Jesus was going to the region of the Gadarenes and on his way over a hurricane erupted on the Sea of Galilee I want to tell you that the Sea of Galilee is not really a sea it's more like a big lake or something like that the Sea of Galilee is not conducive for hurricanes to be all in it and come up out of it this was a demonic presence of witchcraft that caused chaos to try to confront the Prince of Peace as he was coming to not only just set a man free from a legion of demons, but he was coming to set a region free of a legion of demons. And so what Jesus did, who is the Prince of Peace, is he got up in the boat after they woke him up, come on somebody, and he spoke to the storm and he says, be still, I speak peace. Come on, you, you stay with me. I speak peace. There has been witchcraft, there has been onslaught, there has been demonic attack on 
on you, on your life, your family, this nation, a territory, a neighborhood. Everyone watching online, listen to what I am saying. The answer is the force that comes with the Prince of Peace because it is greater than the onslaught of the demonic realm. You got to hear what I am saying right now. It is greater than any force that the enemy comes at us with. So Jesus speaks to it. And the original, what if you, he says this, be still. But what he was saying was, I muzzle you and I gag you. I muzzle you and I gag you. I'm going to take you somewhere today. I muzzle you and I gag you. And that storm of hurricane proportion was stilled. He got to the other side. He set the demoniac free because that was the first thing that met him because that thing did not want Jesus the Prince of Peace to step his foot on his territory let me tell you why hell has been so mad at you warriors at fresh start let me tell you why everything has been so chaotic coming against you it's because the moment that you step your foot on come on on the land oh the Prince of Peace begins to take rule and the demonic does not want to see our nation understand the power of Jehovah Shalom because there is a force behind peace. And you listen to what I'm about to say and then I'll finish this. That region was so bound by witchcraft and the demonic that those people were so up underneath of it. You look at me, warriors. We've got to get the substance from his realm. Where are the Elijahs? Where are the Elijahs? They were so bound by that principality. They saw the man crazy. Then they saw him in his right mind sitting in his right mind, but they still wanted Jesus to leave. That was not their decision. That was the chaos of the enemy that was controlling that atmosphere. You better get your atmospheres right in your homes. That was compelling them to get Jesus out of their region so gripped in the control of witchcraft. Witchcraft chaos must be confronted with the force of the Prince of Peace because the devil doesn't want peace. So anytime you see or you sense chaos and confusion, that spirit is at work. And I say it's gripped our nation, it's gripped families long enough in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands and then I'm going to preach. Lord, you said to release this word, 624, the revelation of the power of Jehovah Shalom, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. I thank you, Lord, that whatever reason that you have in this season, that this is going before us to thwart any plan of the enemy and to silence confusion and muzzle and gag chaos in the name of 
Jesus. If you agree, shout amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated on your way down to your seat. Look at your neighbor. Say the Prince of Peace is about ready to take over. Come on, tell him. Because peace is the number one weapon against witchcraft. You got to remember that I told you that Israel was up underneath of this chaos and this control uh, of witchcraft of this Midianite spirit. We need to hear this for our lives today. We need to hear this as warriors today, such as Gideon. We need to hear this for our nation today, that the evidence of witchcraft is always chaos. Nothing makes sense. They would try to convince you and convince you and convince you, but but you have something called the Prince of Peace on the inside of you. Are you with me? And something is saying, that's not right. That's not right. That's confusion. You don't even need a degree to figure it out. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, s- someone has said chaos is a complete lack of peace. When witchcraft is operating, there is a release of chaos, confusion, and turmoil. First Corinthians in chapter 14 verse 33 says that our God is not the author of confusion but of peace I'll read it again our God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints if you're confused about which gender you are my friend that is witchcraft If you are confused about when life begins, that is witchcraft. Witchcraft will enter a mind, a life. It is the workings of the enemy. It is the workings of the demonic. It can be very subtle. Uh, Sometimes it loses control and is not, but much time it's very subtle and many are not deep enough in the word of God and are not sharp enough in the discernment of spirits to recognize, come on somebody, that, that witchcraft has just walked into the room. It enters as it did Uh, like a whirlwind sometimes. There are sorcerers in India who literally use a form of witchcraft called chaotic magic to create havoc. Sorcerers intentionally send chaos released through words for the purpose of control. I'm quoting there. Now, Now I'm not quoting. Chaos is sent to keep you from the prince of peace. Heaven's atmosphere is peace. And I want to re-emphasize here that the peace that I'm talking about is a force that comes from the realm of God and that comes from God himself. It is a force. In order to calm the demonic disturbance on the Sea of Galilee, there had to be a greater force that would speak to it to make it be still and to gag it and to muzzle it. Are you with me? There had to be a greater force. So I want to emphasize that peace is not docile. The peace that I'm talking about. It is not uh, uh, unaggressive. It it is not uh, uh, tame. It it is not uh, some kind of a, 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 you know, kind of you know, kind of thing. It is literally a force that emanates from God 
himself. Because the reason is that God wanted Gideon and he wants us to understand today that the devil is all about confusion and chaos and he needs a people and he needs a church that has intimately known the force of peace that comes and emanates from his realm and from his person to calm the storm on the inside of someone, to calm the storm in regions. My God, we've got to get rid of our fear. We've got to get rid of our timidity. Peace is not timidity. We've got to get rid of our passivity. Peace is not passive. We've got to get rid of it. I'm going to stay here for a minute. We've got to get rid of our timidity and our passivity. I say, where are the John the Baptist? Where are the Leonard Raven Hills? Where are those who will cry loud and spare not and say, back off of my family. Back off of my nation. Back off. Back off. Back off. You say, I don't like all of that aggression stuff. I say, why? I say why? I say we can be aggressive about football. We can be aggressive about shopping. We can be aggressive about our sports. We can be aggressive about the internet. We can be aggressive about our hobbies. But when it comes to the spiritual things that really matter, we back off. Because on the Sea of Galilee, there was a a, a demonic disturbance that rose up and it took somebody, the Prince of Peace, to say, you shut up in the name of Jesus. Why are we so passive? Why are we so passive? Why are we so timid? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Heaven's atmosphere has, is filled with this force of peace. Are you with me? The second heaven, however, where the principalities dwell, is a chaotic place. And it is evident from the story I just told you, retold you again in Luke chapter 8. Every time chaos sees peace coming, it enacts witchcraft to stir the sea. Come on. Let your neighbor say, get a clue. Come on. Get a clue, get a clue, America. Which force is going to win this time? Come on. In your life, in your church, in your nation, in your family, peace comes with a violence to silence. I'm going to say it. Peace comes with a violence to silence the confusion of chaos. Peace came, comes with a violence, a spiritual violence to silence the confusion of chaos. Every single chaotic issue in your life, in your family, in the territories, in the nations of the earth can be overturned by Jehovah Shalom, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Everything, every government run by witchcraft, whether it be this one or another nation, can be overturned. Confusion and chaos. I can't get sidetracked, but I just came from a place of ministry where the pastor was telling me stories about when he would travel overseas. And I can't get into the details, but I can tell you this. You walk onto those territories in other nations and the demons 
start crying out just like they did with Jesus in the gatherings. And it's going to take somebody with some gumption to stand up in the middle of chaos and say, I refuse to allow this chaos to rule. You hear me now? It's a real thing. It's a real thing, America. I said it's a real thing. And the church in this nation is the deciding factor in this season. We better wake up and have the Prince of Peace be released over this nation. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's why missionaries put one foot on the, on the territory of other lands and all kinds of things start manifesting and all kinds of things start, start screaming out and chaos ensues. Because in the midst of dense darkness, here comes peace walking. Here comes peace speaking. And I'm telling you, America and American church, we better get our act together because it is in this season the deciding factor will be the church in this nation are you going to accept chaos of the enemy that comes with confusion and witchcraft are you going to rise up with the prince of peace on the inside of you and say be muzzled be gagged in the spirit in Jesus name if that's going on in your home you better build an altar get a revelation of Jehovah Shalom Everybody say 624. Gideon called on the Lord and he built an altar and he met Jehovah Shalom. 624. Seduction is the origin of chaos. Can I talk about it for a moment? Seduction is the origin of chaos. I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but put Genesis 3 up there. I'm not going to read all of this. But basically, most of us know this well. Seduction is the origin of chaos. Seduction means to pull, to draw away, to attract into a foolhardy cause of action, to bewitch, to ensnare, to tempt, to captivate, to lure, to charm. Are you with me? So we see in the very beginning of the Bible this happening. We know the story, most of us well, that the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. More cunning. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And she said, and I'm going to paraphrase, we can eat of the trees, but not this one, because God said, you shall not eat it nor touch it because you're going to die. Watch this. And the serpent who was more cunning, please look at two or three people around you and say, more cunning, more cunning. Seduction is the origin of chaos. Seduction is the origin of chaos. The serpent said, there's a voice to chaos, y'all. There's a voice to seduction, a pulling away, a luring away. You will not die. Right there it is. Seduction moves in. Are you with me? A pulling away, a luring away. You will not die because God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Immediately, she eats. She seduced Adam to eat. Are you with me? Because she was up underneath of now. Come on. Up underneath of the cunning 
the seduction of the enemy. Now they both are. They eat what they're not supposed to eat. They go where they're not supposed to go. They entertain what they're not supposed to entertain. <clears throat> they rationalize what they're not supposed to rationalize. <clears throat> He's more cunning. He was more cunning. You see, because this is where it happens right here. Oh, no, no, no. Surely you're not going to die. Now, this scripture has been preached on millions of times throughout the eons of time. But this is where we need to go back to because he doesn't have a new game. He's cunning, seductive, seductive. And he said that to them, he convinced them their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. They didn't know before, obviously, or that wouldn't be in the word of God. So now all of a sudden, confusion and chaos is swirling. Come on, somebody. Confusion and chaos is swirling because they have allowed themselves to be seduced into another place that God did not want them to know, to dwell, to be a part of. And chaos enters. Confusion enters. And the origin is seduction. Are you with me? Something that the enemy uses to lure a life, a family, a territory, a nation away from the worship of Yahweh. Are you with me? And it's cunning. It's cunning. Cunning, seductive, the same thing. It is so appealing to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that we rationalize as Christians that this sounds like it's true because seduction will put just enough truth. He quoted the word of God. He just didn't quote it correctly. Seduction and cunningness will put just enough, enough truth around something to lure you into a place that God says you're not supposed to be there. He said you've got all of these trees in the garden that you can eat from. Come on, we only wish we had that many restaurants to choose from. Come on, somebody. Are you like me? With like, dear God, would they build another restaurant? Isn't that just so selfish? You know what I'm saying? But no, they had more food than they ever could have wanted. God, but God said, it is this tree that you cannot eat of. And they eat of the tree because of the seduction to rationalize. It must be okay because all God wants is for us to be more like him. That's the line that he used. Enough truth with a lie to seduce the mind to lure you out of the place of peace, out of the place of glory, out of the place of perfection, out of the place of wholeness, out of the place where every 
everything is nothing is missing and nothing is lacking. That's what peace means. And then he lures you into a place you're not supposed to be and immediately chaos and confusion enters. It is so simple, my friends, my Christian friends, as when you watch things and listen to things and go places that you know you should not be. It is that simple. And all of a sudden, the peace that you had acquired with your intimacy, which I'll talk about more in a minute, with the Lord has been compromised because you have allowed yourself to be convinced by the cunning one that it is okay for me to watch, to play, to do, to go, to be in this way, and you're living a lie, and even if you don't say it with your mouth, you're confused, it's chaotic, and God sent me to tell you, it's time for the violence of peace to slice through the chaos of witchcraft that has gripped your mind. And precisely what needs to happen to the United States of America. It's precisely what needs to happen to this nation. In the church and outside of the church. So seduction has a voice, my friend. If it says anything that goes against this, you better run. You better run. You better run, you better leave, you better turn it off. Come on, somebody. Anything. More than ever before, we must discern seduction because seduction is the origin of chaos and chaos is, in, is, is behind chaos is the witchcraft of the enemy. Are you tracking with me now? We got to discern it. Discernment. We must recognize that we are in a battle against seducing spirits and we must learn to break this influence and not tolerate it where did i put that ha hang on jesus praise the lamb hallelujah yep jesus name it's a mess up here come on somebody thank you thank you hallelujah it's all right it's gonna be good when i find it i'm gonna quote john bevere i read this I trust him, so I say his name. I don't say everybody's name just because I don't know him that well. I don't really know him, but I know his stuff. He said, our culture confuses love with tolerance. And he said, the two could not be more different. Love seeks the other person's good, while tolerance seeks to be thought of as good. Love comes from fearing God. Tolerance comes from fearing man. And he says, nowhere in scripture is tolerance held as a virtue. Come on, somebody. End quote. More than ever before, we must not, we must discern seduction of the enemy because he will become, if this is a way to say it, shrewder and shrewder or more shrewd and more shrewd, whatever the correct way is. Y'all know what I'm saying. It's going to happen. And it's Bible. It's Bible. That's, that's Bible. It's going to get more and more difficult. Uh, it's not going to look immediately like evil. It's not going to look immediately like this chaos is from the demonic realm. He doesn't come in announcing, I'm Lucifer and I'm here to mess up your life. That's why we need discernment. 
shout discernment. And as I've quoted here in the recent weeks of C.H. Spurgeon, discernment is not, know, is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. C.H. Spurgeon. The difference between right and almost right. Discernment is the dif- knowing the difference between right and almost right. Come on, somebody. This message needs to be preached. You may not be able to put your finger on it. You may not be able to articulate what you feel on the inside. You see, what I came to empower today, not in myself, but with the Word of God and the stories that of the, from the Word of God that I've shared with you, I came to empower the knower on the inside of us <laughs> to trust the knower on the inside of us that the prince of peace when you feel something is off when you feel something is not right that you trust the prince of peace that is on the inside of you because that's what's trying to rise up you see that thing that you're discerning or that you're like "Eh, it's not too bad but then all of a sudden it's like no I just you know I I just you know uh, uh, you know what I'm saying come on it's like, eh, eh, you know, you know what's happening is on the inside of you. Jesus got woke up on the, in the boat. Come on, somebody. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus, that's not good English, but I'm going to say it like that. He got woke up in the boat. Come on. And he's like, no, no, no. And he's arising on the inside of you. And he's wanting you to muzzle and to gag that spirit. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It is not flesh and blood, my friend. It is the spirit of witchcraft, the cunning, seductive spirit that has been loosed in this end time. And the primary goal is not the world. The primary goal is the church. Are you with me? The primary goal is the church. That's why I say you and I as the church, not just Fresh Start, but the church is the deciding factor in the United States of America for such a time as this. This is why we need discernment to understand and know the difference, not between right and wrong. Most of us in this room can see that obvious. It's discerning the difference between right and almost right because almost right is trying to take a generation out. I said almost right is trying to take a generation out. They want to be hip, they want to be cool, they want to be in, and it's almost right. It was almost right with Adam and Eve in the garden, but that was the fall of mankind, and it took the blood of Jesus Christ to set the Prince of Peace in action again. Come on, in this earthly realm, you hear the word of the Lord this morning. It's the discernment between right and almost right. Sometimes you can discern things externally, but most time it's internally. And that Prince of Peace is waking up in the boat. Hence the story of the Sea of Galilee. And he's saying, speak to it. Speak to it. Sometimes you'll be able to do it audibly or loud or sometimes not. But you speak to it. Be muzzled and be gagged in the name of Jesus. In your home, in your neighborhood. Come on, somebody. Come on. I told you the story two weeks ago. We were trying to get over to Southern California, just a five and a half hour drive to LA. All kinds, I don't have time, it's not necessary, I guess, to tell all kinds of their flight was canceled, which I'm learning these days is is with a certain airline is is, um, frequent. And, (laughs) And I mean, but not just that, just other things that were happening. 
There are, there are principalities and powers of darkness that are nervous at the ecclesia that is arising in this nation. And it's not just in this house, it's a crawl across this nation. And there are territorial spirits that are nervous at the ecclesia because, because we, we overcome him by the word, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony. Look at this. And we love not our lives even unto death. We love not our lives even unto death. That means that I have conquered fear when I conquer the fear of death. Are you with me? I, they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto death. That means I don't shrink in fear every time. Oh, 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 oh. That's why I said, why are we so passive? This is where Gideon was. This is where Gideon was. This is where Gideon was. And the angel of the Lord shows up to him and awakens the warrior on the inside of him and reveals himself as Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. So get a revelation today that you are carrying that same peace. And the reason why territories don't want to let you in, be it Southern California or whatever, is because it knows on the inside of you you are carrying a violence, a force, a peace that will speak to the witchcraft and command that it be silent. Shout in this room. Come on. Discernment means set apart. The ability to separate good from evil, truth from falsehood, wisdom from foolishness. It requires hard work and attentiveness, quoting, by rightly assessing the moral and the spiritual status. True spiritual discernment comes only from an intimate union with Jesus Christ and his word. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay there just a moment. True spiritual discernment, not just suspicion. Come on, somebody. But true spiritual discernment comes from an intimate union with Jesus Christ and his word. And the goal of discernment is to live according to the word of God, to the ways of Christ. And so he can allow us to see and differentiate between what is of him and what is not of him. What is of him and what is not of him. And I know I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again to make religion mad. Is that he's not going to come announcing my name is Lucifer. He's not going to wear the same name tag my name is. All right? It's, a matter of fact, if he wears a name tag, it's going to have a lot of other things on it besides who he is. It's going to come packaged in all kinds of ways, all kinds of voices, all kinds of faces. There could be some sitting in this room today. Come on, somebody. Except Krista prophesied witches can't enter. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But you understand what I'm saying. This is why we need intimate communion with Jesus Christ and with his word. You need to know the words of this book like you know the words of the song from 1964. Come on, somebody. You need to know the words of this book like you know the song, words of the songs from 2022. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You need to know. You need to know the voice of the spirit. You 
need to know the voice of Christ. You need to know his voice. And one man has said the only way to discern good from evil or right from almost right and light from darkness is to be so in tune with the real thing that it exposes the fake. Come on. This is a season when you must walk very, very close to Jesus. You got to get things out of your life. You got to get idols. Look, if you're inviting sin in your life, you are up underneath of what the God's people were in the days of Gideon. Oppression and chaos and uh, uh, confusion and witchcraft is going to, you don't like it to be said like that, but that is reality, my friend. If anything else is running your life besides God, it is of the enemy and anything of the enemy is witchcraft. Are you seeing where I'm going? I'm trying to help you out of that chaotic state. Quit giving yourself over to everything else except the things of God and the ways of God and the word of God and intimacy with him. You have got to spend time with him so that you understand and know what his voice sounds like. It's not going to always come screaming at you, but what it will, it will rise up. Jesus will be awakened on the boat on the inside of you. And that's how you're going to know it's him talking. Come on, somebody. Come on. And the preachers today say all these cliches, but it's absolutely accurate. Get out of Facebook and get into his book. Come on. Get off of the internet. Get out. Get off of the movies. Come on. Get yourself in a place with God. Get, get Quit scrolling and get into his presence. Get into his presence. You got to hear me. I know this is 101 for some of us, but even some of us that know this, we've got to get a deeper conviction of intimacy with the Lord. He told Adam and Eve, I come down here to walk with you. I come in this garden to fellowship with you. He came down every day to walk with Adam and with Eve in the cool of the garden. And all of a sudden, it just took one cunning serpent to put one thought in their mind. And they were ashamed when God showed up. Come on, somebody. You got to know him if you don't have a time with God. You better go home and make that time today. You hear me? You say, wait, we're a church of revival for uh, for seven years. I don't care. If you don't have a time with God, you need to go home and make that time today. And don't you let anything keep you from that time with God. He said, well, I'd have to be at work by nine o'clock. Well, get up at 3.30. Get up at 4.30. Get up at 5.30. Get up whatever time it takes to do your time with God, to get yourself ready, to get your kids ready. The day is short. The hour is, is late. The devil is working overtime and we've got passive, timid Christians that are satisfied with a few minutes on Sunday morning and God says, wake them up. Where are the Elijahs? Where are the John the Baptist? Get out of your lethargy. Get out of your le- Get out of your offense. Get out of your idol worship America. It's time to speak Jehovah Shalom over a nation. It's time. It's time. Because here's the fact. Paul said to Timothy, in the last days, the Spirit explicitly says in latter times that some will fall away from the faith. Paying attention to deceitful, seductive, seducing spirits. Doctrines of demons. 
leave that scripture up for just a moment. Now, hopefully I've done enough work to convince us that when you're seduced, you either don't know or you don't care. Okay? So it's going to take a very awake church in these times. We need to be as the sons of Issachar. Discern the times. Because the Bible says that, that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith. This is not the world. This is people in the church. And the, how it's going to happen is they're going to start paying attention. So that's what happened to Eve and Adam. They start paying attention giving attention. What's your attention given to? What are you giving your attention to? And deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. One guy has said, discernment forewarns us so that we do not fall prey to the subtle deceptions of the enemy. Everybody say discern. The spirit explicitly says that some people will abandon their faith because of other attractions or seduction. It will draw them away, and they'll be lured by these convincing voices. Seduction has a voice. I said seduction has a voice. And I'll show you in a minute that seduction has a song. They will be lured and it, by these voices, and it will manipulate their attention and cause them to abandon their belief, end quote. We need discernment. Demons lure people through seduction, witchcraft, up from a position, look, of peace, because peace means stability. When that hurricane, that demonically inspired hurricane, came up on the Sea of Galilee that day, that, that, that boat was rocking. It had to. These, these guys who were in the boat with Jesus were sleeping because he's a prince of peace. Come on, somebody. But they had, even walking with Jesus and seeing the miracles, they were afraid. And what is so shocking is we understand from the word, they were experienced fishermen. I'm going to try it again. They were experienced fishermen. They were experienced Christians. They knew the sea. They knew the water. They knew the boat. Are you hearing me? They knew, they knew, they knew, they knew, but they got in fear by the seduction and the chaos that was around. This is why we got to always walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, because seducing spirits are crafty. They disguise themselves with familiar voices and faces. You got to be on your guard. You got to be in prayer. That's offensive and defensive. It has a voice. Wednesday Gap, a few weeks ago, I don't remember now, I lose track of time, the Spirit of the Lord led me to pray against seduction. How many remember that? And I began to say, slice through the atmosphere of seduction. Slice through the atmosphere of seduction. And I began to say, there's a, a second level of seduction that is coming. We need eyes to see and ears to hear. 
the reference here is I've been reading, I had been reading about uh, uh, Jezebel and about the encounter there with Elijah. She got Elijah through the ear gate because that spirit came at him through things, that seducing spirit came at him through things in his ears. The Bible says that in the Old Testament story that she sent messengers to Elijah to say, come on, are y'all, are y'all getting and seeing what's, you see, this is more than just somebody coming and telling you something. This was literally witchcraft and demonic activity that was coming at you to get you to back off. Elijah had just called fire down from heaven, killed the prophets of Baal. Stay with me, stay with me. And then all had to happen was messengers, words were put in the ear gate and it seduced him into a mindset of fear and confusion and chaos. She, so, 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 so that happened to Elijah. Elijah had to raise up and anoint three more in his place, the story goes. But then Jehu came along, my God, my God, my God. And Jehu was one of the three that had been anointed, stay with me, and said, went, went to, to, to bring her down in the Old Testament story. And it, so she tried one more time to seduce him through the eyes. Come on, somebody. She tried one more time to seduce him through the eyes. The Bible says she put on uh, the, the eye stuff and the jewelry and the this and the hair and all this kind of stuff. I don't know, whatever in the world that she did. But Jehu had enough discernment to understand this is a second wave of seduction. That Come on, generation that is alive right now in America. Abortion just got overruled and overturned in our nation. You better bet that Jezebel and all the other ones are trying to regroup to bring a second level of seduction. That's why I keep saying the defining factor in this moment is the church in this nation. Will we be a Jehu and not give in to the second level? Will we have eyes to see and ears to hear what the spirit of the enemy is trying to do to a generation? And while she was trying to seduce him with through the eye gauge, he looked and said, throw her down. Is there anybody up there that's on this side? Throw her down. And the very ones that she had manipulated, she meaning the spirit, had manipulated and oppressed were the ones that took her and threw her down. I'm telling you, there is a generation that have been set free from drugs, been set free from perversion, been set free from confusion, been set free from oppression. They're going to be the ones that throw it down. Yes. I'm almost done. If you're even thinking about leaving, it's probably not a good idea. Babylon is a type of this seduction mentioned in the Bible. And it, it also seduced the nation of Israel. Revelation, however, speaking to us, says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. Come out of Babylon. Come out of her, my people. Not the world, my people. 
so that you will not participate in her sins, the sins of Babylon, wicked, wicked, wicked place. Wicked. It was cast as the source of sinister activity. Babel and Babylon. I'll get to that in a minute. And that you will not receive of her plagues. My God. This is revelation. John the Apostle describes Babylon as the mother of all prostitutes, seducers, and adulterers. Babylon was a place in the Bible, a physical place, but it is, represents a satanic power and influence that is responsible for the seduction and the spiritual fornication of the church, end quote. Babylon wants to steal you away and counterfeit anything that would produce an intimacy with Jesus Christ in your life. And the end game is the spirit of the enemy, where however it's manifesting, does not want you to arise as Gideon did, build an altar, and have revelation of the force of the Prince of Peace. Because if there's one thing witchcraft cannot stand, it is peace. It wants to see you in a frenzy. It wants to see you uh, uh, compromising. It wants to see you confused. It wants to see you uh, 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 offended. It wants to see you angry. It wants to see you hyper-spiritual. It wants to see you, all the list goes on and on and on. But it does not want you to be in peace because peace is the antithesis of fear, which is the antithesis also of the spirit of Babylon and the spirit of witchcraft that is coming after a generation. Because there's going to be another level of seduction. But what we have to see is what the word of God is telling us. Is that you have to come out of Babylon. You have to come out of Babylon. You have to cut the ties with Babylon. Babylon was the for, a force, excuse me, the place of, 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 of wickedness, of, of perversion, of all oh, you name it. It was a source of it. It stole God's people away. The king did. I'll mention that maybe in a minute. But the revelation tells us you got to come out out of. you got to cut the ties. There's things that we negotiate. There's things that because we haven't been intimate with the Lord, because we haven't prayed in tongues, because we haven't, because praying in tongues awakens your spirit and it brings down understanding of God's ways that 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 that, 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 that we can't be accessed in other ways. You, you're, you're far from the word of God. You may pick it up to bring it with you to church. Most of you don't, but you may pick it up uh, every once in a while just because you know you're supposed to but you're not intimate with it and, and, and I did this this morning I don't do it every morning but I did this this morning purposely I read the entire Psalm 119 because I wanted that to be fresh in my spirit as I was preaching this word to you today because the entirety of Psalm 119 is the psalmist talking about how much he loves the word of God how much he loves the law of God how much he loves the precepts and the commandments of the word of God that the word of God is his life. The word of God is what heals him. The word of God is what delivers him. The word of God is what revives him. But we have an American church that can click on YouTube and hear somebody else say it to them and they may or may not be saying it with accuracy. You hear what I'm saying? We live in a generation where you'd rather click on YouTube, some YouTube this or Facebook that, rather than open the book, the word of God, and get in a 
secret place and digest it for yourself. I'm trying to help you in this end time because a second wave of seduction is coming and she didn't get you in the ear gate, but she's going to try to get you in the eye gate or whatever gate it can get in. It's going to try to get you. America, wake up. Church in America, wake up. You've got to know the intimacy with the word of God and the God of the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that you will understand that we are not just holiness preachers that are preaching against this or for that. We are literally releasing the truth of the word of God to give you boundaries because the harlot, the harlot in the book of Proverbs that I'm going to break down for you in a minute knew no boundaries and the one that was drawn into the harlot's place knew no boundaries and because they know no boundaries you will not know the boundaries if you do not know the word. I'm not just a holiness preacher even though I don't apologize for that. What I am is I'm trying to help you get a discernment and awaken the Prince of Peace in the boat that's on the inside of you. And the moment that you try to enter into that, it says no! And it's your choice. You got to cut ties with Babylon. So many are afraid to cut ties with Babylon because it would be like cutting their own throat. It's time. I have never understood. Thank you, Lord. And I, I, I have a phrase this. It baffles me how people can be continually pulled back into the world. Now, theologically, spiritually, I understand what's going on there. But it still baffles me. And the reason is because there's no fear of the Lord. There's no fear of the Lord. There's no reverence of God. There's no fear and honor of God. So you can easily give yourself to something or lend yourself to something. And these are things that we should know better. This would be like the difference between right and wrong. So when the difference between right and almost right comes along, you've been giving yourself so much to this and not to the ways and the word of God. That the difference between right and almost right, and you can't tell that it's not right. Babylon, he said, come out of her. Come out of her. Because it's chaos. It's a satanic power structure of seduction. Chaos, excuse me, Babylon is chaos that traces back to Babel. Are you with me? King Nimrod in Genesis 11 wanted to be famous. I'm going to say something. So he convinced the people of Babylon to build a great tower that reached to heaven. This was after the flood. God was like, with the other people, come on. And he started over, and look how immediately the seduction moves in. And King Nimrod wanted to be famous. So he said, we're going to build a tower that reaches to the heaven. Not reaches to God, but reaches to the heaven. Which heaven are you reaching for today? Is there's the heaven where our God dwells, God of eternity. 
And then there's the prince and the power of the air in the heavenlies. Which heaven are you reaching for? I'm not talking about the sinner. I know the answer to that. I'm talking about the church. Which heaven are you reaching for? Because Nimrod wanted to be famous. And then so God looked down and he saw him becoming prideful. This time, even though God is not the author of confusion, he messed up their languages because it was coming from an evil spirit that was prompting them. Come on. Prompting them through pride to build something into the heavens because they wanted to make a name for themselves by building a tower that reached high, not to God, uh, Jehovah God, but to Babel's gods instead of Yahweh. And so what happened was God looked down and was frustrated. Come on, somebody. And he confused their languages, not being able to communicate with one another so they could could not mess that up. Help me somebody. I'm going to say this right now. Babel was built. Babel was not birthed by God. God, God put a family in the ark. Come on. God put a family in the ark. Am I right on my Bible here? And he said, this is how we're going to start this thing here. Fresh start. Come on, somebody. This is how we're going to start this thing. And then immediately the cunning one comes in and gets in right in the place that usually messes people up is that they want to be famous. I said, they want to be famous. I'm going to say to the American church, you better stop building and you better start birthing. And the only way that you're going to birth is that you get up underneath. Oh, you get up underneath of the spirit of God instead of the spirit of Babylon. We've got way too much of the spirit of Babylon that is in the church today. How do you know, Pastor Kim? Because just like King Nimrod, everybody is wanting to be famous. Everyone is wanting to make a name for themselves. I know you may not understand the depth of this, but you better look at me and trust me. Everybody's wanting to be famous and make a name for themselves. I'm not saying it's 100%, but I'm telling you there is a spirit out there that is up on the inside of people, not the world, but the body of Christ, the church that is driving them to build a tower. Build a tower. And pretty soon, God will let it get so high, and then God has to step down, and he has to go... To the American church, until we are able to bridle our passion for popularity, we will not properly discern witchcraft and seduction because popularity is blinding us to flaws because popularity is seductive. Nimrod wanted to be famous. I say to the American church, God is counting on us to be discerning in this hour and he's screaming at us, come out of Babylon. All Nimrod wanted was to be famous. How? Oh, I'm going to say it again because witchcraft doesn't want our ears to hear. Stop trying to be famous. Stop trying to build your own tower. How? Oh, it's time to birth the purposes of God so we can speak to the chaos of a nation.
nation. We will never be able to speak to the chaos of a nation while we have chaos on the inside of us. I'm going to try to do this in two minutes. Everything we do won't look like the world. Why do we just want, why do we why do we want that? Well, this is revival preaching this morning. Even wanting our songs to sound like the world. Try it again. Even even wanting our sounds to songs to sound like the world. Our styles. I don't know how we have, well, I do know how it's been seduction and Babylon, but there's been a rationalization that if we look more like the world, we sound more like the world, if we act more like the world, we're going to get the world. They can get the world in the world. They must have the sounds of heaven from his people. They must have the sounds of heaven from the church. Not a sound that they can get on radio station, if that's even a thing anymore, whatever, out there. Or this one or that one. Why are you trying to mimic that? Why are you trying to mimic that? Let me tell you why you're trying to mimic that. You don't have to answer me, I'll answer for you. It's because you're in Babylon and Babylon is in you. You're in Babylon and Babylon is in you. And Revelation says, come out. Come out. Because Babylon is like a prostitute that we read about in Proverbs seducing Babylon, the spirit. You're not going to have Why should you, my son, Proverbs 5.20, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? This is Proverbs 5.20. See, this is Babylon. Now, this can be literal, but this is Babylon. In the, in the Revival Bible, which several of you have, it says this. Listen to this. The prostitutes of the ancient times were recognized by the wine they served and the song they sang. Babylon, one of the primary foes of revival. You see, this is why we need discernment. Is we don't want revival to be tainted. We don't want the move, the purity of the move of God to be tainted by the, someone who could be up underneath of the seduction of Babylon calling it something, but that's not really it. Her ways are difficult to discern, the immoral woman, prostitute, the seduction, because she constantly changes her paths. It's chaos and confusion. And this quote, I'm still quoting, only the wise, only the prudent, only the discerning can escape her subtle seductions. Continuing on, the wine of Babylon's cup 
is a spiced wine designed to seduce the believer away from intimacy with the Lord. But the new wine of the Spirit promotes relationship and, with Jesus and sound doctrine. The counterfeit takes your heart away from God, and God says, you better come out of that atmosphere. You better come out and renounce the prostitute's cup. The wine they served and the song they sang. The wine they served and the song they sang. Idolatry, intoxicating experiences that lead to behaviors because there's no boundaries there. God, raise up the fathers and the mothers in the body of Christ. <clears throat> raise up the fathers and the mothers in the body of Christ who will bring a generation back into alignment with the ways of God. Why are we so concerned with what God is going to take from us? But we're not even thinking about what can God bring to me? We're just so concerned. I have to give up this. I have to give up that. I can't do this anymore. I can't do that. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That pole of Babylon is strong. It's strong. It's strong. It operated in King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. His god was called Nebo. Sorry, I didn't do it in two minutes, but I'm almost there. Nebo is a source of, is, is a source of false prophecy, which is seducing spirits. That was Nebuchadnezzar's God. And you go to that time frame, and you've got Daniel, who would not give in to the king, would not give in to the spirit of Babylon, and he got thrown into a lion's den. You got the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. It's more than just a Sunday school story, my friend. We're getting ready to live there. I said, we're getting ready to live there. Because this spirit of Babylon is going to intensify, intensify. And it's going to take a true intimacy. Daniel prayed to his God. Daniel prayed. Even when they told him he couldn't, he prayed to his God. The three Hebrew children, they took a stand in the midst of a time when they said, you need to bow down and worship this. You need to bow down and worship this. There's voices all across the body of Christ today saying, you need to worship this. You need to worship this. You need to worship this. You need to follow this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. But something on the inside of you, and I'll remind you what it is, it is the force of peace that is on the inside of you is rising up and saying, I just can't, 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 something, something's not right, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. And this was what was happening in Daniel that got him thrown into the lion's den. This was what was happening with the three Hebrew children that got them thrown into the fire that was seven times harder. But there was someone else that showed up in the fire with the three Hebrew children and that was the son one like the son of God even so strong was the presence of Jesus and the presence of God that even Nebuchadnezzar recognized it even the king recognized it even the king knew that something supernatural had happened I'm going to stay here and under help you understand something peace is not passive peace is not timid peace does not sit in a posture of passivity
passivity. Peace does what discernment says. It's not almost right, but what is right. And peace will walk right up into the midst of a culture that says bow to this idol, bow to this one, bow to that one. And peace will walk right up in the midst of it and say, I refuse to bow. I refuse to bow. I refuse to bow. I refuse to bow. I came to tell some revivalists in this room right now, you better get ready for the fiery furnace. You better get ready for the lion's den. And it may not be lions that have real mouths or fire that would burn your flesh, but it will be coming not from the world. It'll be coming from the religious that is looking at some people who are full of the prince of peace. And we say, be muzzled, be God in the name of Jesus. I can, you can throw me in the fire, do whatever you want, but I know my God will be there with me. Stand up on your feet and shout, peace. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.